Hi, my name is Dan, and in this world, I'm a lot of things. A father, a son, a brother, a talk radio host. But one thing that I'm definitely not is a Star Trek fan. However, my brother Joey... That's me. He is a Star Trek fan, but only the original series. Live long and prosper. He believes that if I sat down and watched the original series, that maybe, just maybe, I could become a fan too. There's such great writing. How could you not? So for the next 79 episodes of this podcast, that's what I'll be doing. Watching every episode of the original series and coming here to discuss it after each one. So join me each week as I go through all 79 original Star Trek episodes. This is Attempting Trek. All right, so episode we're at episode one, or is this episode zero? This is the cage that we're talking about today. This is the original pilot. However, it was not ever aired until uh, the eighties because uh, because of some other things that went on. And so then it was as it was added into the the library, they actually called it episode eighty. Oh, no kidding! So this is episode yeah. eighty, even though it takes place before. It's clearly the pilot. Only Spock yep. is in it. The only character that I know. I mean, I'm. I am. I should put it out there. Uh, my Star Trek experience. I have seen some episodes of the original series. None of them in the last twenty years. But you know, in the eighties when they would play on television, I, I caught a few. Mainly, I think because you were watching them, Joey. And yep. I have seen all of the movies. If that counts for anything, I don't know if it does. And that's about it. Um, there's n- nothing else really that I have uh, in, in my repertoire to, to toss out here. Now, you, on the other hand, you to me are a big Star Trek fan when it comes to the original series. Uh, now, I, I know you have a thing, though. You, you don't want to be identified necessarily as a Trekkie. Well, uh, not to disparage people who consider themselves Trekkies, but I, I'm just not. I don't qualify. I don't. I've never been to a Star Trek convention. I don't dress up, you know, in the gear. I don't have any uh, of the toys or memorabilia or anything like that. Um, I, I, I just really, really enjoy the show. I think it's brilliant. Um, I, you think you could, I could qualify maybe as more of a super fan, but when you talk about Trekkie, that's just like a whole other level of of uh knowledge and and um admiration and and stuff like that and i'm i'm not i'm not really there all right if anybody wants to debate this uh, feel free to go ahead and uh, send messages to joey on this all right so let's discuss the cage this is the first one that i'm watching on on, on now i i this this podcast is going to be an episode longer i'm just realizing that i didn't know that was going to happen I I don't know if I'm happy or, or sad about this. All right, so let's talk about the cage. <laughs> and so the first thing that we notice is that everything is radically different. Uh, the the bridge of the Enterprise is less impressive. Everybody is white. That's the one. With, with, unless you, whatever you want to consider Spock, he's an alien. But it, mm-hmm. and Spock is the only familiar character. It's the only familiar character that we have. We, we're dealing with uh, with Captain Pike. And uh, his adventures, or the adventure that we have in this one episode. Do you have any personal feelings about this episode before we dig through it bit by bit? Well, I do want to. I do want to make a correction. Please. Well, Spock is the uh, the only character that you know. Um, there's another one that's in this episode, and it's a very famous person who had a pretty big impact throughout all of Star Trek, and that's Michelle Barrett. 
and she plays the role of number one. Oh, okay, that's number one. Okay, very good. Yes. Didn't know yes. that. Oh. All right, because yeah, number yep. one definitely comes up a lot in this episode. In, yes. In, in a number of great ways, as a matter of fact. So All true. All right, so in the beginning, what we have is uh, a distress signal that's out there, and no one's at first no one's entirely sure what it is, and then, all right, maybe this is a distress signal from some ship that disappeared 18 years ago. It's on some planet called Talos. And originally... Talos 4. I'm sorry. Please correct me to Talos 4. Correct me to Talos 4, non-Trekkie. <laughs> just did that? Talos 4? Okay. Talos so, 4? So it's on Talos 4 is where the yeah. signal the ship may or may not be. And Pike doesn't want to go down there. Right. He, at first, he's like, ah, I got better things to do, you know. There's some other injured people that he feels he needs to tend to, and he's not sure if there's anybody actually there or not. Like, maybe it's a, it's a signal from a, a, distress, a distress signal from a, a ship that disappeared a long time ago. Maybe it's not. I, I don't know. I don't have time for this. So he, well, to be fair on that, though, mm-hmm. you, you, were you of the understanding that they had just come back from this big battle and that they yes. were all beat up? Yes. And uh, okay, okay, yes. so that's that does play a, a big role in it, which is different than what we were used to seeing with uh, you know Kirk and the boys, you know, where they always go wherever there's a distress call, right? Yeah, yeah. He was more look, my people are, are hurt. We need to take care of them uh, right now. And so he decides to go and and sulk in his room for a little while. <laughs> and I, I got it. All right, I got to tell you, there's something really hilarious. All right, when, when he goes, uh, he goes to his room, and he walks down these these hallways that are really not very like whoever just whoever designed the, the, the hallways, they are they are designed for sci-fi TV show look and not yes. for practicality. Absolutely. They're, yeah, they're like really narrow at the top, and then they extend out. And I, mean, I would just think, well, if you got to carry something down that hallway, like that's, <laughs> you know, if, if somebody's got to go through there with a hand truck and it's tall, it's like eh, it's gonna be a problem. Whatever it is. <laughs> anyway, um, anyway, yes, he's walking down the hallway. It's, it's so quick. He's walking down the hallway, and everybody is in the uh, the Star Trek uniform, right? Although this uniform also looks like a little. Um, I don't know, turtlenecky. I don't know. It's, yes. a, it's a different shirt. Doesn't look bad. Doesn't look bad. And this and the badge is different too. The insignia. You know, I didn't even notice. Is it radically different or just a little? Uh, it just doesn't have like the military look to it. It's the same shape, you okay. know. But it's it it you know they still haven't figured out at this point if uh, if they're uh, like more if they're motivated by you know military means, which of course Star Trek actually is. You know, or not? They, they don't actually. Starfleet doesn't exist as a as an actual you know idea. Oh, you know, so I think it's just um, they just wanted to put something generic there, and then they were going to figure it out. That's okay. that's my guess. Okay, fair enough. All right, so as he walks down the hallway, we see other people walking through there, and there is a girl who is dressed like she's going to play tennis. She's in like a little tennis skirt, and then there's a dude <laughs> who looks like he's going to play with her, or maybe he's going to the beach. He's wearing like a a regular T-shirt that's you know got horizontal stripes and and regular shorts, and I yeah, and I'm wondering. Well, I'm sorry. How did these two wander on the set? They don't belong. Did you, you've noticed I, this? 
You're, you're absolutely right. And not only that, going back to what you said before about the way the those beams in the hallway exist <laughs> yes. and how impractical they are, yes. they actually have to move out of the way as Pike walks by because they both can't fit in yes. the same part of the hallway at the same time. Yes. Yes. It's, it's, yes. Uh, honestly, those things are, are wonderful to me. So he goes into his room, and then he sulks, and then the doctor comes in, and it's an old guy. And this guy, is, he, he, he decides – he pulls out his solution, which yeah. is uh, a, a drink. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was a martini. It was a martini. All right. He yes. gives him a he martini. And he says, "Listen, you know, maybe you know, some people will more easily talk to their bartender than to their doctor. So here's a drink. Yeah. So he gives him the martini to open up, and and Pike starts opening up, telling him these are hard decisions that I have to make." I don't like making them. I'm I'm a little tired of doing it. Maybe I want to go home. And the the doctor is, tells him that no 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 you 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 have much more important things to do than to go home. You don't you don't you don't want to go home. Am I am I correct? Yes yes yes. I think you kind of skipped over a couple of little things though. Oh, if you want to throw them in, whatever they are, go ahead. Yeah. Well, like they go, they do take great pains to show you the communicator when he says, "Drop by my cabin." Oh, that's to true. The doctor, yes, yes, right? it, yeah. And it, it's it is it's a nice close up of that communicator. You're right. Yeah, and it actually is pretty cool. Like just the way it looks here, it looks to me like that could potentially hold up even in today's world of television and sci fi. Or just like actually, if something real, I, when you know when he flips the thing up, the lid up, yeah. you know, just the circuitry looks like it's it's genuinely you know sophisticated did you agree it, it looked like it would do something it, it didn't yeah. look so much like a prop but it looked like it had enough stuff going on there that i was like okay yeah and it's funny because that's true even though the bridge is full of a bunch of lights that just they, they just flash right like they're right. just flat they're just wonderful old-timey sci-fi lights <laughs> that just yes. computer lights that just go on and off and on and right. off and it's, That's all they do. And it's wonderful, though. I, I love that kind of thing. All okay. Right. So while he see, after he has his little conversation, uh, yes. all right, it's time to go back to the bridge. Because, wait, 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 wait. Oh. So that conversation is actually very, very important to the whole show. Okay. So first of all, we find out – that's where we learn about the battle, the, uh, the thing that he – that him and, uh, and the crew went through. We find out that this ship has 203 people on it, and we also find, realize that we're catching Pike – at like uh in the middle of like at a midlife crisis right he's talking about resigning yes right yes right? so like the, he's a guy that's worn down he's tired he's he's you know perhaps he's injured that that doesn't seem to be the case but he's at least worn out um also by the way another touch throughout this episode spock limps and that's done because it was supposed to indicate that you know he suffered injury in the in this battle as well um but also in this conversation, as he talks about the fight that they went through, um, that they just recently went through, he talks about a couple of people who lost their lives because of a decision that he made, and he includes his personal yeoman in that. And that's actually pretty important because that's going to come up, I think, in the very next scene. You're going to see the, the person that replaces her, and then there's going to be this awkward, <laughs> awkward dynamic between him and the new yeoman. 
Um, but he's also he also talks about how he'd like to do anything other than be a starship captain. You know, maybe go back home and you know where he used to have horses and you know just hang out in the parks and do picnics and stuff like that. Yes. He talks about becoming maybe some sort of uh, you know uh, uh, sort of slave trader. You know, when uh, from uh, you know with uh, with green women and things like that. Um, so those things, of course, are going to come up later in the episode. So that's why I think that this this conversation ties the entire episode together. Wow, very good. That's good work on your part. Thank you. All right, so so now we get the the, the signal, or we get a message from from Spock, who's on a little television set. He shows up in the room, and you know, he after they work the little rabbit ears, Spock comes in and tells him, <laughs> "Hey, get back on the bridge. There's stuff going on here. We've got more details on this signal." So he. They, he goes back to the bridge, and there we get uh, an intergalactic fax comes in. On the, the intergalactic <laughs> fax machine, yes, yes. he gets a transmission, which is yes. which is which is so hilarious. Yes, and, and on the transmission, all right, now we're getting confirmation that this is legit. This signal is coming from some ship that disappeared on Talos Four. 18 years ago, and there are survivors there, and we need to go now and investigate. Do I, right. have, that, do I have that right? Okay, this is also where we have a wonderful scene in which uh, Pike meets his new yeoman, uh, a, yep. a, a girl, and I don't know what yep. her name is. I think Is, is her name just yeoman? Yeoman Colt. Okay. J.M. Colt. Alright, thank you for that. Yeoman, yeoman Colt. And right. he, he doesn't, I don't know, He's put off by her. And then when he's done being put off by her, he has a moment with number one, who is also yes. a woman. Yes. And Pike throws out, yeah, I'm sorry, you know, explaining his awkward moment with the new yeoman, a girl. He then says, yeah, I'm not used to having women on the bridge. Yeah. And then he goes and corrects himself, seeing that he's remembering that he's talking to a woman. Yep. And, and, he, he and then goes, he thinks he's fixing it. He does. Right? He thinks he's fixing it, yes, by saying, oh, no, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Lieutenant. <laughs> I, I don't mean you. You don't. Right. You don't, he says, you don't count as a woman. He says you're different. Now, she does a good job, all right. It's just that I can't get used to having a woman on the bridge. No offense, Lieutenant. You're different, of course. He says you're different, but the implication is, yeah, you're you're not really. You, you don't count as a woman in my eyes. That's that's right. not how I see you. Now, I would like to point out in the scene where the intergalactic fax comes in, there's yes. another woman on the bridge right over I there. I know. You're right. What the hell, Pike? You got two on the bridge. Why is this so difficult? <laughs> What's the, I don't. I don't. <laughs> well, he didn't say women weren't allowed. He just isn't comfortable with them. Well, I, but I, here's the other thing. Okay, yeah. now a couple things about that actually. So, so first, yes. the uh, the interaction with uh, with Yeoman Colt, it it it's partially because he lost his other Yeoman. He doesn't like this Yeoman already, and um, you know, a, a Yeoman is someone that you're supposed to have like great chemistry with. You know, and then maybe there's even a, a mild bit of choreography just navigating through the bridge because she just about bumps into him, right? Yes, she does. 
right? So he's, you know, he's, you know, he's probably awkward, feeling awkward about the whole thing. It's a new person. The, the last Yomini had lost her life because of him. And that, he, that just happened, you know, hours ago or maybe the day before or something like that. Um, so I, I do think that you, you gotta at least temper it with that, with that piece of knowledge. Also, here's another piece of trivia. So this woman, um, mm-hmm. I think her name was Laurel Woodruff or something like that, the woman that plays J.M. Colt. She's the only one other than Leonard Nimoy who was not fired. Oh, was that after right? this? Yep, and, yep. She was she was initially going to come back. And why didn't she come back? Uh, they 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 just thought about it again. They said, "No, no, we don't. We're the only one we want to talk." So, and she was very upset about it because she was conv- she was like from the very beginning one of the people that was super high on Star Trek. She was convinced that it was going to be this this uh, very successful series, and she was so psyched up about it. And she actually had offers to do a couple. I think either two or three other TV episode, uh, shows or pilots or something turned everything down just for Star Trek. Then they go and they do, they watched a screening and she couldn't believe how they did all the science fiction effects and stuff like that. She just thought that the coloring was, everything was, was, was so impressive to her. And then you find out, no, it's not going to work out. And okay, we, we are going to keep you. No, no, we're not going to keep you. Oh, so. this isn't a good Star Trek story, by the way. This is a bad Star Trek story that you that you're doling out well, here. Well, this one, this one isn't. But you know, speaking about that, good and bad Star Trek stories, because our goal here, of course, is to you know see how how much of a how much of a Trek fan we could turn you into. Right. And I, what I want to know along the way, of course, during these podcasts, is you know your impressions. I mean, I'll, I'll fill in the blanks, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and my side, but I want to know, um, in, uh, you know, what what did you think of this version of Spock? Did you notice some differences in his personality, behavior, his appearance? Well, he he's got much less of a presence. He almost seems like he's smaller in this one. I mean. He, he's he's not second in command. That's the first thing that I noticed. You know, he's actually I would say third on the list, and he initially he initially he doesn't have a lot of a, a lot of presence other than the fact that he's different looking. Other than that, there's not really a lot going on with him. It's like, oh, okay, here's this funny looking guy again. That's about it. I, I okay. you know I didn't he didn't say anything that was logical or illogical. You know. Right. It was none of that, they haven't, none of that crazy hand gone signals. down that sort of logic yet with him. Yes, yes. It, 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 it just didn't seem like there was a lot there. I, I didn't get any kind of real Spock impressions out of him. He almost just seemed like any other character. Now, for me, um, I, I, I noticed some very big differences. And maybe they're subtle to other people, but to me, it, it's big. I, I think that the, he, he, um, he sort of exudes this, uh, youthful energy. This more excitement. There's an actual emotion that comes out of this version of Spock. So, like in the very, in the opening uh, sequence when they're talking about whether or not they should go and check out, you know, this distress signal, and you know, Pike says no. He says, "You mean we're not gonna go?" Remember when he says that? <laughs> yes, yes. And that that's just like he's sort of like in shock about that. He's also disappointed. He wanted to get out there, and you know he was all into the the the, the discovery of this mission. What was it going to reveal? And so the Spock that we come to know next is not going to give that kind of stuff away uh, easily. He'll have to be uh, damaged by an alien or or some some drugs or something that are in him or whatever. But that's not. 
So this Spock is different in his demeanor and the uh, the expressions of emotion. And we're going to see some more. I'm going to talk about that as as we go. But that, those are things I noticed. Also, he just looks different to me. Like oh, he totally hair, looks different. He totally looks different. Right? Yes, absolutely. There's something going on with his hair. I don't know what exactly what it is, but it's like it's not as all all shiny and in order like it is. You know, like the more finished, <laughs> you know, looks. Um, so. Anyway, yeah, th- those are some things to note about Spock. But right. but and do you like this Spock or do you do you care? Uh, this you care? this Spock was less impressive to me. Let's put it that way. It's interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. He was okay. less. I don't know. He he just he seemed like like he just had so he had so much less of an impact to me. Okay. Yeah. Well, now let's take this back to the doctor. All right. I mean, you actually know you know, you, you know a fair amount of what to expect from McCoy just yes. from all of the movies you've sure. seen and everything. So this is a this is a doctor who is close to the captain, just like McCoy is close is close to Kirk. Um, and uh, I, what do you think about this guy? Did what did you think about him as an actor or the way the dynamic that played between them or the things he was, that he had to right. offer? He was he was fine as an actor, not particularly great. I think any like any older actor could go in and do exactly what that guy did. Uh, there there was nothing but spe- anything spectacular was coming out of that scene or out of that guy. It was just an older guy. Tell me your problems. All right, I'll listen to them. I'll dole out some advice, and that's yeah. about it. Uh, McCoy what? has obviously they've gone ahead and, and they've worked on that character. That guy has a definite character and an attitude and and, yes. and a presence that he brings to it. Uh, where this guy, and obviously it's just a pilot, so uh, I'm right. sure maybe as time had gone on, this guy might have done a you know. Would have developed as well, but yeah, there's there's nothing particularly great about this doctor that we have. Um, it's interesting to me that this this captain, Captain Christopher Pike, is like he's definitely not the smiley, sunny personality that Kirk brings to the table. No, right? he's a sullen guy. Right. He is, and again, it yeah. could be because of what just happened too. I get. The, that's, I wonder if he's just sort of a serious dude all the time. He just seems he, like he is. He's business and. He's been doing this a long time, and he is overdue for a vacation. That's what it looks like. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, so what I want to say is it's interesting in how they change the characters later. So the, this captain here is definitely what you said. He's all business. He's very serious. Uh, and, of course, the Kirk version is going to be – he can be, he can obviously be very serious, but he does have the, the fun, dynamic side uh, of him, right? So yes. there's that. There's that difference. But then you look at the two, the two uh, doctors – Right, and this doctor is the opposite. This doctor here that we're watching in the cage, he's like a laid back sort of, oh, you know, yes. easy going kind of guy. He's not the and curmudgeon then, that McCoy is. Yeah. Yeah, right. That's a good word for McCoy. Yes, yes. McCoy is an unbelievable curmudgeon. Yeah. Right, right. Um, so anyway, I just thought that some of those things are different. And then, and then, lastly, Danny, oh, as far boy. as some of the technology yeah. that we're seeing, you talked about the lights and stuff like that. Uh huh. I noticed that in a lot of the props and stuff that they're using, like they're all, they all, there's a lot of usage of these, um, these, ex, these lamp-like extensions where I guess you can look through the oh, monitor. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they all have those really kind of mid-60s looking, uh, desk lamps. Yes. That are yes. extending out. Yep, I see that. Yes. And it's all, and to me, that's all like very War of the Worlds-like. Like that's the kind of sci-fi stuff that probably all of those movies you know, used to have back in that, you know, or at least that look back around that time. 
And it's interesting that the next, you know, that, that look is going to be completely gone in, yes. you know, a year or two, yeah. right? Yeah. So they're still trapped, you know, in like that old time period. And it just like magically, you know, changes in just, you know, the span of a, a year <laughs> or two. So. All right. So let's get down to yep. where, where they get down to, to, to the planet Talos 4. Okay. And Talos 4 looks like. Looks like the I don't know the Phoenix Desert. It's a bunch of rocks and it's there's nothing growing. There's a big mm-hmm. and one thing I, I I notice and I do this now with all older movies or TV shows is I always look and say oh look there's a big giant matte painting in the background. That's what I do all the time. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Do you do that as well? I'm sorry. Do you do that as well? Um, I, well, I, I don't, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I really notice it a lot on Star Trek, you yeah. know, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it is, it's there. It's obvious. It's like, it looks really bad, but. Yeah. It, I don't have a problem with it. It's just something that I, I notice like every time. And it's not just a Star Trek thing. It's something that I, I notice on anything older that I'm watching. I, I, I kind of look for the matte painting these days. Anyway. Um, don't you see that, like, in Laverne and Shirley when they go to California and they want to show, like, you know, that it's all oceany looking? Oh, God. Do we have to bring up the California <laughs> episodes of Laverne and Shirley? Oh, if Dude. we're talking Trek, why not? Oh, I know. How does that relate? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Beam I, me out of this one, didn't you? Say, <laughs> unless there was a crossover that I'm not aware of, which is possible. Yes. Oh, uh, by the way, but before they got down to the planet, how yeah. did they get there? Uh, how did they get to the planet? They used the teleporter? The transporter. The transporter? I'm sorry. They used the transporter to get down to the planet? Right, right, right. So here's something interesting about that. Oh, the reason that they came up with a transporter okay. um, for the show is because they wanted the idea of a ship, you know, going down, you know, leaving the, the, the big ship and going down and landing. But but that was always going to be too expensive to produce for every episode. And so it was going to eat up so much of the budget. They kept they, – they were, like, trying to figure out well, how how do we get down from the – to the planet from the ship, somebody came up with the transporter idea. Boom, there you go, and it just it you know it factors into probably every single episode, right? Oh, okay, yeah, I yeah, I'm sure it does. Yeah, yeah. Right. So anyway, so they, they they beam themselves down to the planet. There's not a lot going on, and then eventually they come across what looks like the camp of survivors, and it's a bunch of old guys, and they sure look like they've been surviving out there. They look, they've they've, they've been on the longest camping trip of all time, and. With them is a young, attractive woman, and she apparently was a baby when they crashed, so she's 18 or 19 now, and she, I don't know. Things get awkward immediately with these guys. Like, their attitude is a little odd, and her attitude is a little odd, and at first... They're very happy to see these guys. They're they're all right. We're 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 here to save you. We're going to bring you back to Earth. Everything's going to be wonderful. And yeah. then she, uh, the girl Vina, she wants to go ahead and show Pike something. So yeah, she starts hinting that there's more to the story. Yes, there's yeah, there's more going on. I need to show you something. And she takes yeah. him over to this mountain, and <laughs> she disappears. And then all That's of right. and then all of the old guys disappear, and so does their camp. And and in the mountain, there's an elevator that opens up, and some weird looking aliens pop out with large heads, and they hit Pike with some some magic dust, 
and he passes out, and they kidnap him. They go back in the elevator. That's a big, exciting thing. They go back in the elevator. The elevator doors close. Everybody else on the crew tries to rescue him by shooting the, the, the elevator doors. But the only thing they can do is just get the facade of the door away. The, the, the actual door itself does not open. Can't get it open as much as the, they're sitting there. They're shooting it. I don't know. Half the episode, they're shooting that damn door. It's not opening. You have anything? Right. Wanna... Right, 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 right. Well, one thing just before all that, before they before they discovered the crew, do you remember those leaves that they found and they went oh, out to yes. touch the, the really blue leaves? That's right. They were the blue leaves and they the the blue leaves play ominous uh, yeah. foreboding music they, to let you know things are bad are going to happen. I don't know what's with those blue leaves, but they're, they're well, kind of amusing. But, and you also see Spock smile. He does smile. He is amused by this. You're right. He's like, wow, that's – he has an attitude of like, wow, that's really neat. He's got this sort of like, uh, I don't know, boy wonder element to him, this yeah. this this version of Spock. Yes. Um, yeah. Do, shall, I, shall I move on to the next? To the yeah, next? yeah, yeah. All right. So Pike wakes up and he's in uh, a, a cage. He's in the cage, which is uh, basically as, as he's looking around, he could see other cages – and he sees two amazing animals. Right. One right. is a guy in a gorilla suit. And even better is when he looks over and there's a guy and he's in a giant bird suit. <laughs> yeah, and, now and, one of those one of those uh props yeah. was actually used in the outer limits as a as another as a bad guy in the outer limits. And Wait, apparently it, Gene Roddenberry when he was when he was working on Star Trek, yeah. he would go over there a lot. He would go over that set and he made friends with everybody and you know, he would borrow stuff. And so I'm not sure which which what? of the, you know, crazy beings it is, but one of those was actually used just like it looks here yeah. in an episode of The Outer Limits. I hope it's the bird suit. Because the bird, suit I kind of think better. it is. The bird suit yeah. is so much. You know, like guys in gorilla costumes on. Yeah. on there, there's a dime a dozen. You get a bunch of those, right? You don't see too many yeah. dudes running around in a giant bird outfit all the time. Well, we're almost up to the point of Planet of the Apes. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah. All right, so, uh, so Pike realizes that he's basically in some sort of a zoo, and yeah. now we're gonna meet our captors, and it's three aliens, and they don't they don't talk. Oh no! Actually, no. They do talk, but first they're they're talking to each other, but they're just thinking their their thoughts to each other. They don't have to open their mouths, and they're they're, they're you, you hear them making judgments. Well, this guy is kind of a he's kind of not very intelligent. You know, they're they're kind of looking him over and and yeah. tossing out what they think about him. And Pike is demanding to know what's going on here. And they have some I don't know. Do they initially tell him their kooky ideas of of why he's there? Or they don't no. tell him. They don't. No, no, they don't really do that. Okay. I think he gets that from the from the girl as the oh, show develops. That's what I thought. Okay. Just, just what he does her. say, which is kind of interesting, you know, there's no Starfleet, uh, you know, academy or, or or entity, right? But he does when he identifies himself. He says, "I'm Christopher Pike from a stellar group at the other end of this galaxy." What does that even mean? From a stellar group? <laughs> that that means there are a bunch of swell guys. You don't know how exactly. awesome they are. Yes. <laughs> I, yes. I don't think I picked up on that from a stellar yes. group. <laughs> a stellar group. Yes, we're really a bunch of swell guys, like you, you said. Yeah, yeah. You guys, probably, you, let me out of here, know, and you come party with us. All right. Yeah, I think you probably mean something like uh, you know stellar, something to do with stars or yes. something. I don't know, but yeah, it was. It does strike me. He doesn't identify where they're really from. 
they haven't figured it out, you know, in the writing. Gene Roddenberry, you know, hasn't decided that yet. But yeah. it's interesting that he says something so generic. You so, know? yeah, some real sci-fi vagary going on there. Okay. Yeah. So, now, he, this is where he goes ahead and he starts having these... You start to you learn that these guys can create illusions. These these aliens and Pike ends up in three different illusions. At first, he is with Vina, and he's got to fight. I don't know. It looks like Jaws from James Bond, dressed up like a Viking, is what he's got to do. And so he yes. doesn't know what's going on, but he knows immediately. He is smart enough to know. This isn't real. But do you know why he knows that right away? Um, it's because I, he's reliving the battle that he just had 24 hours ago. Yes, uh, yes. I know that this is from that battle. And, and he's okay. like, wait, why? And he, why so he's like, how am I back on Rigel 7? Yeah. <laughs> Where is he? <laughs> Rigel 7. Of course. Where else would he be? Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> he's like, how, and that's, that's the tip to him is that, wait a minute, I just went through this experience you know in my real life i've been it's been on my mind that's what these people are doing they have this they already everybody knows that they have the power of telepathy and oh they they have the power to you know make me relive certain you know moments in my life that's what's going on here but what 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 she as he's figuring this out and he's talking out loud um she's saying listen you you can say that it's an illusion all you want but i'm telling you right now if you die here you die you know th- things hurt it's not really just in your mind and nothing's going to happen you got to you got to treat this like it's real and, and so he, that's when he goes and runs with her and he does and he ends up having to uh, to to fight this guy i don't know whatever he do you know the name of this dude this guy have a name the killer i think it's called the killer <laughs> well, well well very sophisticated he has to yeah. fight the killer and and he does uh, eventually uh, he he ends up killing the killer, and then he ends up in a in a different illusion, and that is where he's on a farm. He's on and this is exactly what he was describing. He's on the yep. farm and he's there with Vina again. Hey, yep. it's the pretty blonde girl with the blue eyes again, and now we're on this wonderful farm together. And of course, he's already hip to what's going on. I don't know. I I like being on the farm and I like. Being here with my horse, and wow, where do I get these sugar cubes in my pocket? This is <laughs> exactly what I was wanting to happen with my life. But they think of everything, daily. Yeah, they sure do. <laughs> I don't know that I would go back if I were him. I might be like, eh, these illusions are okay. I might just want to live here. Uh, however, Pike's not. Pike is not me. He's got more resolve, and, and so he's still not having it. And then we have our best illusion, Joey. This is the best one. Where he is, I guess, the the slave trading, whatever it is. Whatever the hell it is in that last one where he's sitting there and he's some sort of space pimp. And yeah. he's sitting there and his, his decked out in his wacky costume and he's got some louts sitting around there with him. And there is Vina, who is now uh, a green-skinned alien. And, and by the way, Vina, awesome as a... Blonde hair, blue eyed white girl, not mm-hmm. so attractive as a dark haired girl with obvious green paint all over her. Like she was not That's bad. She was not attractive to me at all. She looked like she was going to Comic Con dressed as She Hulk. And see, I I uh, I felt differently. I thought that she was she was pretty hot. Oh yeah, no no no. Like the whole thing, I was like, ah, because. I'm not looking at her like she's green skinned. I'm looking at her I'm like, yeah, that's so green paint. 
Like if well, I, you know, the, the, the green paint doesn't look good in one or two scenes. Like it's very, very obvious that it's, the you know, like coming off or melting or something. Yeah, the close-ups don't look good. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. But I will also say that this is oh, this is their first attempt at a green woman. And they're going to have another one later in the, uh, you know, as, as the series gets off and running, oh, and it's going to be Yvonne Craig. Oh, oh, I yep. see. A Batgirl. Yes, sir. Well, I'm all right then. Nothing wrong with yes. Batgirl. Right. Well, it's good to know I have something to look forward to. <laughs> all right, so eventually he, he, he resists all of these illusions, and he ends up back in his cage, and yep. he is back talking to one of the aliens. Now only one of them is, is hanging around. And th- th- I believe this is the scene where he runs against the the the, the cage window because he doesn't have bars on his cage. If I didn't point that out, it's you know I don't know a glass or whatever. And he runs against it, and when he does, the alien recoils uh, like in surprise. Didn't know that was going to happen. And Pike is a little on to him, like, "Oh, I I have figured something very important out here." Yeah, like, shouldn't you have seen that coming? You how did, have how did that I surprise you? Yes, I surprised you. Now, yeah. while this is going on, uh, the crew is trying to rescue Pike. And so, right. they, this is great. This may be my favorite part. They come and they get some um, big giant laser cannon. And <laughs> they're, the, the cannon is, is, is big and giant, and it has to be controlled by someone who's, I think, in the ship. And they're yes. talking to them on the communicator. All right, give it all the power you've got. And this right. thing, and this thing shoots out all kinds of cartoons at the <laughs> at the door, like an entire like Disney cartoon comes out of the cannon and at the door, and they run that thing as much as they can, and it doesn't work. Those doors do not open. Yes, and I thought it was interesting because they were talking about all right when they first tried to shoot the doors, you know, um, you know earlier with the with their regular, um, I think they call them lasers, not phasers. I think they're so the guns that they're using. Yeah, they don't um, say phaser those, at all. I know that they don't say phaser yeah. at all. Yeah, I, I do think they call them lasers. But anyway, uh, when that doesn't work, they they decide okay, so we're going to have to go to the next level, which is you know transmit uh, the ship's power and then do it that way. And I'm like, what does it mean transmit the ship's power you know and that's, so that's what this is this is a some sort of device that is like connected with the uh, bluetooth to the to, to the enterprise and, and yeah you're right They're, they all put on like their welders masks to protect their eyes and yes, they hide yes. behind the rock that's right they are, i forgot the, the masks are great too they've got these great like goggles that they're all wearing right yes. right Right, right, right. And, you know, so they're, yes. So whoever's up there is, you know, listening to number one, you know, to tell everybody what to do. And at one point when she says, okay, you know, it's not working, you know, you can stop now. She actually looks up at the sky when she says that. Like if she's talking, to, you know, without the communicator, she's talking to the ship up in the air. <laughs> she does. You're right. <laughs> All right. You can stop now. It's not working. Okay. It's like waving up there. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Right, so yes. So then the crew decides. All right, you know what? We can probably transport inside the mountain and find out what's going in there. Even though we don't know exactly what's in there, so it's a little dangerous. So if, if you want to be a wimp and not do this, you're fine. No, no one will say anything about it, which I thought was I thought that was great because I might I might not want to do that. Now, is that at the point – so that's when Spock communicates with the ship, 
right? He tell he like over the intercom, right? And he's just he he tells everybody what the plan is. Yes, the, right. Yeah, at first they're all kind of like huddled around, and and yeah, he's talking. I believe on a communicate, but he also has like people in front of him. Like they were all kind of huddled and and going over ideas as to what to do. And yeah, but what what's, what was interesting to me about that is that Pike did the same thing when he changed his mind to go to Talos Four. Um, he explained it to the entire to the entire crew to the two hundred two hundred and three people. You know, so he flips on some some intercom and everybody hears it. You know, you know they don't show you this, but he's talking to everybody. And he's like, okay, so this is what we're doing. We were going to go to, uh, to the Vega, you know, group, but we're not going to do that now. And this is why, blah, 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 blah. And then we see Spock do that. So I just thought that kind of system of communication was interesting because you really don't see too much of that at all ever in the series. All right. Well, yes. Now, now that I'm aware of this and that this is a different thing, that is yep. interesting. Yeah. He's got like his little group with him and then he's yep. talking into that communicator at the yeah. same time. Right. All right. So everybody gets on the transporter. No, you're gonna have to explain this to me because I don't understand exactly what happens here. Okay, they're all yeah. on the transporters. They all start to go, and yeah. then at some point, Spock yells like something about the two women. Yes, he goes the women, the women. <laughs> Which, yeah, that's what he says. Yeah, he yells the women, and, and of course, because number one is there, and and the, the new yeoman is there as well. They're they're going down, and only yes. those two are the ones that transport down. Nobody else does, right? Like, uh, what, what is it what, that you don't? What is it that you want me to tell you? Why does Spock yell the women? Because he sees what happens. He's like, "Hey, they're gone, and we're we're still here. Oh. They're all supposed to go." Okay, I did. So not... he knows something bad happened. Okay, see, I didn't get that at all. All right, so they transport apparently number one and and Yeoman Holt 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 right Holt with a C. Yes, C O L T. Okay, and <laughs> Yeoman Holt end up. Inside the exact same little prison cell with with Pike, right? And so what we're about to see with these uh, with these two females is more awkwardness, right? Oh, this is this may be the you know what I'm going to change it. This is the best scene right here. This is the best scene. Okay, so now they're in the they're in the cell with him. Yes. Gina is in the cell with him, and here comes one of the aliens again, yep. and he's like, "Oh, you know what? Listen." Obviously, we were trying to pair you up with Vina, but now you got these other two ladies here. Look, I'll tell you what. You could take your pick. Now you got three options. What do you want? And then it's great because this alien goes ahead and reads number one's mind and then reads Yeoman Cult's mind and then blabs it over to Pike, and it's so hilariously embarrassing. Yeah. Well, let me tell you about number one. She actually <laughs> has a thing for you. <laughs> But she doesn't want. She's a. She doesn't want to get into it. But you know, she she really has deep feelings for you. Uh, now, now the yeoman, on the other hand, uh, you know, she's kind of into you too. And here's the benefit: she's younger, and you know, younger, and she's you know, she's got a little more energy to her. You know what I'm saying? She's got a little more energy. He actually yeah. puts it out. I don't know how he says it, but he puts it out there that she's younger, and she's gonna give you more gusto if you go with that one. Uh yeah, you're gonna have to fight this one off. Because <laughs> she's always she's always ready. The female you call number one has the superior mind and would produce highly intelligent children. Although she seems to lack emotion, this is largely a pretense. She often has fantasies involving you. The other new arrival 
has considered you unreachable, but now is realizing this has changed. The factors in her favor are youth and strength, plus unusually strong female drives. <laughs> oh, my God. And they both, like, have this look of embarrassment on their faces when he goes ahead and... Sp- Pike, doesn't even, Pike doesn't even blink at it. He's no, just right. threatening him. You feel my hate when I get out of here? I'm going to beat jump your in. ass. Because you said... You, you weren't sure what the what the line was. The alien says about uh, Yeoman Colt that, she, that you know all, all the good things about her, and then plus unusually strong female drives. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh yes. my god, it's so funny. All right, so now even though the women are there and they have their lasers, they're they're seemingly useless. Right inside that cage, so they're all just kind of stuck there until a little bit later on. When there's a little door that opens, and I guess they feed him through this door. Actually, they, you know what? I totally forgot. There was a point where he first gets there, and they feed him. Uh, they make him drink right. something, and they tell him, you know, he can imagine it to be whatever he wants, and he's got to be a jerk about it. Anyway, this little right. door opens. show they demonstrate the, their ability to punish. Yes. And one of the things that's interesting in that moment is, oh. you know, since he refuses to, to, to drink the drink, they put him in hell. They put right? him in hell, and and they reference it as, uh, you may know that you may know this place from a fairy tale that you've heard. A fable. A, a fable. fable. From a fable you once heard in childhood. By the way, according to these aliens, there's no God. What do you think about that? I'm sorry. What do I think about that? Yeah. I think that's pretty radical for the 1960s. I think that's pretty, no kidding. I, right? I, mean, I mean, listen, Jeffrey Hunter. Is was Jesus in King of Kings in 1961? <laughs> he was <laughs> that the guy who was Jesus. They're telling, hey, guess what, Jesus? We we know you're full of it. All right, your dad, your dad Joseph is just your dad Joseph. He's just some shepherd. All right, and your mom. All right, listen. I don't know where. Maybe maybe Joseph ain't your dad, but I, I know who also ain't your dad. Your real dad either. Okay, maybe it's somebody oh. else. All right. <laughs> Pretty crazy though, huh? Oh, that was that was so crazy, and I can't that believe I didn't think about that. I got to take yeah. notes while I watch the next one because that yeah. was that was definitely a moment where I was really impressed that they would go to that place. Yeah, I mean, and right off the bat, right, right off the bat, they didn't wait until like you know they didn't wait till they had the show you know uh, green lighted yes. you know and had built up all this goodwill. Nope. you know they just they, that's pretty. I thought that was very courageous, um, very bold, you know, for them to do that, and, and it makes sense because that's the kind of sh- this is what they're trying to do with this show. Is they're trying to push, uh, you know, this this thinking, you know, that has evolved in whatever direction it is, and yes. presumably there would be, you know, no no concept of God, uh, you know, in a believable way, and you know, at least in the framework of this show, and it makes sense, right? Oh, absolutely. No, I'm yeah. I didn't have any actual like you know moral problems with it. I was really fascinated by it. More than yeah, anything else. It, same thing with me. I, I I don't know how people may have felt or uh, if that show had aired, you know, because because it, it it didn't. But um, yeah, I I just thought, wow, that's really cool that that he went to that level. So they're trying very hard mm-hmm. to break down as many stereotypes as they can and say, no, 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 this show is different than any other TV show you've seen, and we're going to do things that haven't been seen before. I'm going to take some risks. And that's a risk. So anyway, it plays well. Back to our group, trapped trapped in the cage. They go to feed Pike, 
And it just so happens that he's standing right next to that little door that opens up, and then he reaches in and grabs that <laughs> same stupid alien who's been bothering him the whole episode. <laughs> I don't know why they don't have a better feeding system where some yeah. like you, you couldn't open a little door and then like drop it in safely. Like you gotta, and the door opens oh, wait, wide wait, enough no, no, no. that you You're can pull him in. Well, wait, you're actually confusing it. No, he was actually opening the doors to get the to get the lasers to get the weapons. Oh, oh, you, okay. I didn't know that's what he w- was happening. Yeah, yeah. So you're that, you're mixing was, it up with the time before when he fed him with the drink. So, all right. So he opens the door. The alien was going to come in all together anyway. He was just going to open the door enough, I think, to reach his hand through, grab the lasers because they were right there next to the door. Oh, okay. Well, good, jo- good job clarifying that. Still. Yeah. Still a really bad move on the alien's part. Still a pretty amateurish move. Absolutely. On his part. Yeah. <laughs> because Pike grabs him, grabs him yep. by the neck, and I'm, yep. I, I, I will tell you this, I'm impressed by Pike's character that he didn't start immediately bashing that big giant head of his. I mean, because this alien is a smug bastard who needs a sound <laughs> thrashing. And, <laughs> You really don't like this guy. No, I couldn't stand these aliens. Man, I couldn't stand them. <laughs> and so Pike's got well, him by the neck, and I'm, I'm, yes, good. Show him what for. And right. And at first, you know what? The alien does his one trick, uses his illusion powers, and uh, makes himself into a, a giant uh, gorilla, a, a giant another, another person in a different monkey suit. That Pike. I thought it was the same gorilla that was in one of the one of the. Uh, I didn't think so. Pages. I thought it would look like a different one to me. Okay, well, I'm not sure. Okay, I, all right. No, no, <laughs> no qualification on the gorilla type. Let's put it that right. way. That's true. But Pike That's... again, not fooled by the illusion, tells him to knock it off. And so he does. And so now something else is happening. That's very. That's very key, though. It's at this moment that the aliens start to realize that hey. Maybe the humans aren't ideal for this for this thing. We need to do some uh, we need to do some research, and that's when you see the ship's computers going going nuts because the aliens are starting to they're trying to understand everything they can about what makes a human being tick. You remember that yes, when when the, when the ship's library is just being you know like paged, rifled through. Yes, and and also this is another great technology that they have is as they're watching them because they. We see on the ship, everyone is like, oh, look, someone's reading all of the stuff on our computer. I mean, not someone. Yeah. They obviously know it's the aliens down there. And it right. looks like it's a whole, it's a, an overhead slide projector is is what's happening. That's what it looks right. like to me. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, they're trying to learn everything. Um, one of the things that Pike has realized is I think that if he does something with emotion or if he has a lot of emotion going on at the time, uh, they can't read his mind. If his mind is clouded with emotion. That they can't it's got to be well. primitive emotion, right? Primitive. So that's why he keeps going back to hate. Yes, yes. Yeah, so, so if he just focuses on how much he hates anything, and a person, just, you know, the, the Radio Dan show, just, you know, this podcast, <laughs> well, then no one can read his mind or no one can um, – yeah, no one can read his mind and no one can see what he's about to do. All right, so now he ends up the, – now, do the aliens just – because he's got this one by the neck, I don't know. the The illusion kind of drops, and so you see that the that the the lasers actually did blow a hole into. Well, what starts with that okay. is that when when they pick up the lasers and he points it at his head, he says, 
and he actually he he goes ahead and tries to shoot the uh, they try to shoot a hole through the cage, but it doesn't look like it anything happened. And, he, right. and then he points it at the alien and he says, "Okay, listen, I'm betting that that was an illusion and that there's actually a hole there. Or and, and if maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. Let me try it on you. What do you think?" And then all of a sudden the alien like blinks and whoop, there's a hole. Yep, yep you're right. Yep. <laughs> it's, Pike is such a Pike's a bad dude. He's an angry yeah. bad dude. Really is. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> There's a couple of, of wonderful visuals that are coming up when they get to the outside, and okay. like like when when we go back to the surface because he, he you know he gets them to go outside right. Yep. The visual of because first it's Pike and uh, Vina and uh, Number One and Yeoman and and the alien they they go out there and then the other aliens come up and <laughs> you you now see that they did blow a hole the cannon did blow a hole. And it was just an illusion that that the doors were impenetrable. Number one says we cut through and never knew it. Yes. And yep. so now, yeah. now you see that where this elevator is in, in the mountain is all blown up. You know, you could – I don't know. A lot of it is missing. But the elevator popping up now where you could see everybody inside the elevator and it's got these weird-looking alien dudes coming up, there's something really hilarious about that visual. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Like, do you see what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess to me it's sort of normal, but I can see what you mean. Yeah, it, it just—it looks so odd and and goofy. That, yep, we're just waiting for the elevator to finish. Do, 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 do. Oh, here we are, <laughs> top of the mountain. <laughs> yes, yes. Awkward silence. Yes, exactly. Yep. <laughs> right, right. Right. So now we're we're back out uh, onto the the planet, where uh, the planet's surface. Yeah. And we're having our our final discussion. The aliens have explained what they wanted was for him to was for Pike and Vina to start a family, and they would live on the surface, and they would be a family of some kind of slaves. But they'd be artisans, so that wouldn't be so bad. And Pike's like, "No, we're, we're, that's not going to happen." And well, there, there's a, but there's a little bit more to it, which kind of can make you somewhat sympathetic towards these aliens. Is that they need the, they need them to rebuild all the infrastructure because they've spent so much time developing their brains that their bodies have uh, uh, have have basically atrophied. decayed. Yeah, atrophied. Thank you. Their bodies have atrophied. They don't have the physical skills anymore to be able to rebuild the 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 planet. Which was destroyed more or less by all the wars that happened, you know, zillions of years ago. So now the planet has has recently started showing signs of being able to support life, and so this is so this is their opportunity. They think to you know sort of bring back their their own civilization, and that's why they want to create this new population of of humans or slaves or whatever. They need them so that they can make sure that they don't become extinct as a race. Now that's. You, you that's, so that's the thing. Right. Now these guys are obviously hyper intelligent. They have yeah. heads that are abnormally large, which seem to house giant brains. You would think that somebody would know that if they started working out, they'd get in like good shape and have some muscles, and they could get the work done. Well, I think the thinking here is that these aliens have um, atrophied to such a such a degree that they can't they can never have that kind of ability again. That um, you know, Whatever. so they are aliens. They're not humans, and maybe they don't. Um, maybe they don't have muscles that you know that do develop the way humans do. You know, um, listen, by listen. working harder. Let, let me explain something to you. All right. 
Okay. There's some lazy people out there in the world, and there's some <laughs> people out there who will go way out of their way to not get some simple work done. They will work very hard to not do some work. That's what I think is going on with these guys. I think they're a bunch of lazy bums, and they've been lazy for so long. It's like, ah, there's all this work to do. I don't really want to do it. You know what? We could just kidnap some people and make them create some you – know, we get some slaves or something. We get them to do their work. I think that's what's going on. I don't and then, and plus we'll have watching them. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, look, we're, we're really intelligent. We can create all these illusions. I mean, come on. We could figure this out. We don't have to sit here and actually work. That's what I think is going on. So okay. Anyway, Pike eventually uh, convinces them to let Number One and Yeoman go back to the ship. Right? They, uh, they go back yeah, first. Right. right, right. And Pike wants to take Vina with him. Yep. And she doesn't so want... It seems like the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. She's a regular human person. Take her back. And, all right, now this is a little messed up. Oh, oh he also says when, when, the, when the aliens agree to send them back, he goes, that's it, no apologies. <laughs> <laughs> what the say sorry? <laughs> Man, I, I I would I would have just turned and ran. <laughs> okay, see ya. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, no kidding. No time to get all self righteous about this. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Time to get time to get out. All right. So then the aliens decide to uh, drop the illusion that they have going on Vina, and you see Vina transform from young and beautiful to maybe still young, but she's got a messed up face and a hunchback body. <laughs> she's got she's all kinds of deformed yeah. and apparently what they do is they they give her the illusion that she's young and beautiful to keep her going and what's weird is that Pike decides okay you know what she's better off here and I kind of question that that thought process now what happened was was that when when the ship crashed originally these right. aliens found her and did not right. know anything about humans. So they didn't know how to put her back. They didn't know how to put her back together, and so yeah. they put her back. They put all the, they took all the pieces and put them in all the wrong parts, and now she's a a hunchback. Right. right. They saved her life, but it's yes. not a fun life. No, I'm thinking. Well, it's the future. I would think medicine's pretty good. You could plastic surgery has got to be phenomenal in the 23rd. 24th century, whatever it is, wouldn't you still take her if you're Pike? Oh, he, he leaves uh, her. He decides hmm. to go, and that it, and that it's better off for her to stay yeah. and live in this fantasy world. It's better for her to live where these guys will give her the illusion that she's young and beautiful, and she will stay that way forever until she dies. Well, she also wants to stay. She does want to stay, but so that, so that that plays a role too. It, it, yeah. It, it does, but he doesn't really go at, do any try to any try of um, he doesn't try to change that opinion. He doesn't try to convince her of anything. He doesn't say, hey, "Listen, come back with me because there's humans, and maybe we can fix you up a little bit better, and you won't be so much of a hunchback." He doesn't uh, do what, he, I he think just that's, that's true. Makes, he also sees something else that they do. What is that? Which is going to help her. Help, what, what, the thing that's going to help her in her illusion. There's a new. There's a new element to the illusions that they that they can give her in her fantasy world. Oh, that's Which, true. She now yeah. can. She can now have an illusion of Pike being with her. That uh, I forgot about yeah. that. That's right. And the, the the last that we see of her, she's back to being young and beautiful, and then she's running off on her on her fake honeymoon with imagi yeah. with imaginary Pike. 
Back uh, to the elevator. Yeah, back to the back <laughs> to the elevator so they can start their whirlwind romance that's not real. Yeah, right, like, right, to me, right. To me, that's it's it's a little disturbing. It's a little bit of a messed up ending. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm of two minds on it. I, I I see where you're coming from. You make a very interesting point about the advancement of medicine in 250 years because this takes place somewhere around the year 2254, something like that. <laughs> so, um, you know, it is kind of interesting in in that regard. That, um, yeah, maybe they should have been able to. He should have been able to convince her, listen, we can actually fix you up pretty good and you can enjoy your real life. But on the other hand, if she doesn't want to go, she doesn't want to go. And now she actually has great new illusions that she can live in and fantasies because these aliens have plucked all this information from the ship and from his brain and all the other brains. So whatever uh, illusions that she was living in before they showed up, it was probably very limited. You know, it was just her walking around looking good. I guess, you know, but, but all right, look at it this way: they, they still have her. So the next group, of, the next ship that comes by of humans, they're still gonna like probably roll her out and say, "Hey, look what we got here! Come on over." Oh, no, I don't think so because the reason that they let them go is that they say, "Listen, you know, humans. We didn't realize humans had such a unique uh, hatred for for being in, uh, in captivity. <laughs> all these other, you know." Um, these other creatures that we've done this trick with, they're all good with it. They don't hate it the way you guys do. So we don't want to mess around with you guys anymore. I, so I don't think that is going to happen. I don't know. that that The bird dude did not look happy in the cell. <laughs> he, looked, he was all flapping around, waving his arms. He looked unhappy. Yes, that's true. I won't argue that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So there, there is our end. Is, is there a, a final scene that we want to discuss uh, where they're on the bridge? Do you want to, is there yeah, anything you want to say? Go ahead. What do we got there? Well, well, what did you think about the, so the, that's where you're starting to see, you know, the human, the, the humane part of the, of the show, right? They're attempting to show that the interpersonal sort of, you know, activity between the main characters on the bridge, like we get to see all the time with Bones and Kirk and McCoy, right? In, in, as the series develops, which uh, it's a, it's a prologue. It's things that we, it's part of it. One of the things that I always enjoyed, like, oh, man, here it comes. What are they going to do now? What goofy, stupid things are they going to say? So they they attempted that here, and I I thought it kind of worked. Did you not? Huh. Yeah, I would say. I would say. I mean, I, I'm still a little questionable. I'm still a little questioning the, the ending. Uh you're going back to Vina. Vina. Yeah, I'm still going back to Vina. I'm still having okay, well, because but, he, but, he doesn't take much. He he makes that decision so quickly. But otherwise, I I I, I get where you're going. Okay. Well, but what? So the, the 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 discussion here that the the topic of discussion here is actually Yeoman Colt coming back up to uh, bumping into him again, and there's sort of like again that awkward stuff. Yes. You know, the physical, right? Yes. And then she says. You know, and he, and she says, reports! And he's like, oh, okay, fine, got those stupid reports, and he's got his, you know, very oh, no. sophisticated uh, clipboard and legal pad. Oh, that's true, <laughs> and then he's, <laughs> and he sits in his chair, and he leans forward as they're, uh, they're off to their next uh, adventure. Well, wait, well, but, but the conversation is, she says, uh, Captain, I'm just curious, you know, who would have been Eve? You know, if he oh, was my Adam, God. how do I, he going to... see, thank you for bringing that line up, you're right, you're right, he says, she, and... <laughs> And then he puts it out of – he dismisses it, and then somebody else brings it up, uh, Eve. Like, uh, and, then who, and then again, who gets annoyed by that? 
Adam and Eve. Oh, what do you call it? Number one gets annoyed by this. Number one, yeah, because she knows it's not going to go down good for her there. Yeah, <laughs> she knows. It. I know it wouldn't have been me. Damn it. Yeah. So this... you're not going to answer that question. <laughs> yeah, that's what... an inappropriate uh, conversation piece here on the bridge, young lady, and we're not going to. I'm not going to tolerate that. <laughs> oh my god! And and so now you realize that. That number one, if the series continues, is is Miss Lonely Hearts uh, for the rest yeah. of the show. Well, yeah, she continues yeah. on. She's always yes. going to be there with that, <laughs> with that, with that thought bubble of a broken heart in it while looking at uh, Pike all the time. Like that's that yeah. that would be that is my prediction of what her role would have been for the rest of the series. Well, you know, and she does essentially play the same role. Only the, her, her, the object of her affection, uh, in, as the show develops, is, is Spock, and so she's always, you know, carrying a torch for him. It's the same exact thing. Only she's doing it as Nurse Chapel. All right, uh, I made it through the cage, and for the most part, I enjoyed it. Uh, the story was was good. Uh, you know, obviously, a couple of things that I we discussed. Maybe I'm a little on the goofy side. Uh, definitely, this show looked a lot cheaper than the other episodes of Star Trek than I remember. Like, yeah. like yeah. definitely a lot cheaper. Maybe that's just because it was a pilot. That's how they were doing it. Maybe that's because, I don't know, that's what the budget was a year earlier. I, I have no idea. But this was not a painful thing to get through. So I don't know where I would rank this. Do, do you want to have, like, a ranking system on this one? I think um, I think a scale of one to ten. All right. Uh, and and we're not saying ten like you know ten would be like the best TV show or episode you've ever seen in your life, yeah, yeah. but ten being the best Star Trek ep- episode you could ever expect to watch. Okay, I would call I would put this one at a six. Okay. Okay. Where would That's you put pretty this? good? Where would you put this? Um, you know I'm so fascinated by. Watching the differences, you know, in the characters and the sets and everything, that I'm, I almost don't care about the storyline um, as much. Um, I, I, but I, I, six is probably fine with me too. I think I could go there. Um, I did have some, I did have some trivia to throw in about this episode. If oh, you want to do some of that, please do. Okay. Um, so, and we should explain the whole history of the pilot and you know that sort of thing. So, so this pilot was built and shown. Um, I think in 1965. So it's copyrighted for 1964. So uh, he gets the green light to do it, and he's dating Majel Barrett, and um, he's he got a, a, a marriage that's falling apart, so it's sort of funky what's going on there. And when he goes to show the pilot to the uh, executives at NBC, they actually get annoyed that he puts his girlfriend in there. Um, I think that might even be a quote that, you know, who, who puts his girlfriend in there, you know, and it seemed like, <laughs> it seemed like he was doing it just to put her in there. Like they didn't feel like, uh, well, they were already weirded out by the fact that there were women in charge, you know, uh, uh of a major, you know, um, oh, on, on the ship. Yeah. They don't like that. You know, NBC <laughs> executives at the time, what they're a like, shock. they're like, yeah, they're thinking, listen, this is 19, this is 1965 and, you know, no one's going to b- believe that kind of crap. So we don't like that already. And on top of that, you got to put the, your girlfriend in there and it's clear that she doesn't have – she, she's, she's serving no purpose here. You only have her here just because she's your girlfriend. So that's stupid. And in fact, who's that – the guy with the ears? That guy looks like Satan and that guy is going to scare the crap out of uh, kids and moms 
all across the country on a TV show that's going to be coming on at like eight o'clock at night. Are you crazy? So they they but they were convinced that maybe um, they would if they made a few changes. Oh, they also didn't like the fact that it was too cerebral. They wanted more action. And in fact, they said to Gene, "Look, Gene, you pitched this thing as a wagon train to the stars." When, and the reason he did that is because there were so many um, westerns on TV, and he thought it had to have some sort of western type of uh, appeal. So that's how he pitched it to be able to get his show on the air. So he says, "Hey, we're expecting you know shoot 'em ups and you know lots of fighting and stuff like that. This is basically a think thinking show. This is people that talk around and th- you know that stand around and talk and think. We want action. So if you can go ahead and fix these things, we're going to do something we almost never do." We are going to give you a second chance. Come fix it. Fire all these these freaking people that we don't like. I don't want to see that number one again. And uh, get rid of the alien dude with the ears. And then come back with some action. And we'll look at a second pilot. Now, Dan, uh-huh. you're the expert on TV. Sure. How many times do you even know of a TV show getting a second chance with a second pilot? Not very often. Yeah, not I'm not sure often. if it's ever happened. It, there's a ton of pilots that that go through and they just go right into the trash if if they're yeah. not interested. It it's got to yeah. be something that they really want for there to be uh, a second pilot. Like like <laughs> and it's fine. all right. So now they they asked for all of these things. How many of those things did they get in that second pilot? Did they get more action? Because Spock, uh, the guy with the ears, was still there. Well, and, that's the one guy. He said, "You know what? I'll change everything you said, but I'm not changing that. That guy, he's got to stay." You know, he. I've got big plans for that guy. You know, he's going to be. Uh, he's going to be the, the symbol of what makes Star Trek Star Trek. I cannot give him up, but I'll give you everything else. And I, I think that they begrudgingly agreed. It's also possible that he slipped him in um, to the to the next pilot without really saying anything. Um, and th- maybe they were just overwhelmed by you know how good they thought the second pilot was. Uh-huh. We'll talk about that when we go to review that that, that second pilot, but. That's what happened there. They didn't want Spock. He did. He fought to keep him. He kept him. Um, so, anyways, this pilot was shot in uh, black and white. And um, so there's some interesting things about this pilot. So it uh, obviously goes away. And um, when the show gets canceled, he um, he all he has is this old 16-millimeter print that he keeps on hand uh, as person and when he when he's going from like convention to convention he brings it he'll play it it's a very beat up copy nobody knows whatever happened huh. to a good print of the cage That's so what what does happen is later on in as star trek gets going later in the uh, in the run i don't know which episode it is but it's like uh you know 7 and 8 of the first season there's a time period that's very very short it's too short for them to produce an actual they need to produce two tv shows in one in one week and so they don't have enough time to do that so they they're like hey you know what we can repurpose the stuff from that pilot you know so and we'll make it a two-part episode and that's going to be called the menagerie so it, so we're going to see a lot of the stuff again and you know i don't know in 10 episodes of the podcast from, from now but anyways that's the only the stuff that's actually in the menagerie in parts one and two is the only like good prints of anything that they have. So for years and years and years, and nobody knows, you know, where's the cage? Whatever happened to the cage? The cage was a cool thing. Um, and then in the 80s, it's like 1988. Is there a writer's strike or something going on around then, Dan? Oh, there is a writer's strike that happens around that time. Absolutely. 
Right. And so Star Trek The Next Generation, which is now Gene Roddenberry's, he's the, he's the EP of that show and he's in complete control. They have, uh, they, they don't have an episode. So he, so, somehow he found the, somebody at, uh, at NBC actually had found the, a copy of the cage a few years ago and, and, uh, gave it to, uh, Gene. And he's like, wow, this is so cool. I actually have my thing back. Thank you very much. And then now he sees an opportunity to actually put it on the air for the very first time in October of 1988. And so he goes and he has it colorized. And so everything that we're seeing here is obviously it's, it's colorized. And when he kept uh, whatever technology that they were using back then to process the film, right. uh, the people that were, that were processing it kept looking at the green lady and going, man, the color's wrong. And so they would actually <laughs> change the color of her to so like some sort of Caucasian color. Oh, how funny is that? Yes. It happened like two or three times. So finally he's like, no, damn it. This girl is supposed to be green. Stop doing this. Fix all the colors the right way that I intend them to be. And like, oh, okay. So then he goes ahead and he airs this. And I actually remember this. It's October 4th, 1988. And he gets up there before the, uh, before the actual playing of the show. He's like talking about the show and explaining a little bit about the history. And, um, now, then the, when the credits roll, I don't know if you noticed, but they don't look like they would be from 1964. No, they, they don't. They a very 80s look. No, yeah, yeah, they don't. The, 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 the titles, I totally noticed uh, that they did yes. not look right. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Completely screwed up, right? Yep. But that's because they were putting it on air in 1988. Oh, that's cool. And that's cool. the, that's the style of fonts and stuff like that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So that's the cage. And so it went, what, 20-something, 20 24 years of its existence without, with nobody having ever watched it from beginning to end. And if not for the writer's strike, who knows? Maybe we would never have seen it. And then in 2009, when they started remastering all of the episodes, that's when they did this one. So there's some stuff here that, um, you know, is fixed up that, uh, we don't really know what it is unless you actually want to sit down side by side and see what the original look, looked like. All right. I don't um, need to do that. So. Yeah, I, I didn't think so. Yeah. So I think those those elements have to be – some of that stuff has to be – you know, there needs to be some awareness of why this thing is um, the history of this particular episode and why it's sort of revered. It's very different. Um, you know about Jeffrey Hunter. Yes. Uh, right? And so what happened to Jeffrey Hunter? Why didn't he come back? Because he could have come back. Do you know why he didn't come back? No, I have no idea. So there's some controversy about this as well. He actually had a in his contract, he had like a six month contract. And he had some sort of uh, opt out clause, and um, or, or so they could not offer the role of the captain to anybody else during the the time of that that six month window. And so, anyways, the thing the, the window expires, and Jeffrey Hunter, whose wife was his agent, was convinced that he was going to be a bigger movie star. So then, so they basically come to. Um, Gene says that he, you know, he, that the, the, the separation happened because he said, listen, you know, you were great, but we're going to go in a different direction. Um, uh, Hunter's wife says, no, that's not what happened. You know, we said that we wanted him to do other projects, and so we were not interested in doing Star Trek. And then what happens to Jeffrey Hunter, Danny? Uh, he dies in 1969. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really kind of, it's really kind of nutty that, 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 that happened. Um, but um, so I think that the, so that's the whole Jeffrey Hunter, you know, aspect of this. Um, and then last but not least, here's a, just a little interesting tidbit about this episode. The aliens are actually women, women actors. Oh, no kidding. 
Yes, yeah, you, and so well, you those male voices you are dubbed can't in. Tell. What? You definitely can't tell that they're women. You, you can or you can't? No, you can't. I didn't know. Yeah, right. They wanted they wanted uh, body frames that were that were smaller, and so that's what they did. They went with some you know some slightly built you know females, and uh, yeah, the faces look very male, right? They do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although now that I know that they're women, maybe this is why they couldn't do all that hard work. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, just, just no. Just remember just a, a reminder to edit that out. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, anyway, uh, those are all the things that I, I felt about the show. I thought it was good. I'm like I said with you. I'm. I'm it's. It's. It's like a six. Um, I think I can also see myself. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, if I'm not completely, you know, captured by the differences of the show. Um, then maybe I could zoom out a little bit. You know, I could fade out, like, and you know, miss a few scenes because it does it does move a little slow, right? It definitely moves a, a little on the slow side for sure. All right, so yeah. uh, in in order to uh, to sum this up and get out of here, Joey, uh, yeah. what is our next show? What's the next episode? Do you know? Well, I I, I do, but um, I mean, it's going to be the one that is the is the first pilot. All right. And, so- I don't really want to say anything else about it. Oh, um, we're not going by we're not going by the Netflix order. We're going to go by the actual um, order of uh, what do you call it? The production order? Is oh, that the way you would say that? Sure. If the the production order, yeah, we could do that. Do you do you know what what it's called? Can we just have the title? Or is that uh, a spoiler in itself? Uh, I think it's where no man has gone before. Oh well, okay, yeah, that doesn't do anything for me. All right, so. <laughs> On the next episode of Attempting Trek, I will be watching where no man has gone before, and then discussing it with uh, with Joey over here. So you've moved slightly closer to becoming a big, big Trek fan, right? Just slightly, <laughs> just a little, just a, a little, a hair, right? Okay. If if the the gauge goes from zero to a hundred thousand, it's gone up to five. Ba-doop. From zero to five? Yeah, it's gone up from zero to five. Ba-doop. There you go. So, yes, in that regard, I am slightly closer. Okay. So it's a positive trend. It's, it, yeah, it's a positive trend. Yes, correct. Okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. That's enough of this. Yes. Bye. Okay. <laughs>